0: Um, but honestly, this community and being involved with organizations like Twin County United Way, I've been on their board for 11 years now. Um, just the, the sheer giving aspect of this community, it's pretty, pretty unique. Um, yeah, there's fundraisers and other things that happen in other communities, but um, for how much people get together and give towards great causes, it's pretty awesome. The
1: Spiral Podcast is all about community. As such, we can't think of a more fitting guest than Lewiston's Parks and Rec Director, Tim Barker. Tim has been helping our community to be the great place that it is through his work with the Parks Department for over a decade. His responsibilities extend out to some areas you may not expect, such as cemetery and bridge maintenance, urban forestry, and much more. Join our discussion with Tim and find out about the ways in which our city truly benefits from the work of the Parks Department. All right, welcome to the show everyone. today we have on Tim Barker from Parks and Rec. How you doing Tim? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on guys. Yeah. How you oh, doing Brian Happy
2: to. I'm good holding in there. Yeah a little, hanging in there a little sleepy a little bit.
1: It's fine. Got a new kiddo. I'll <laughs> yep, do it. I'm feeling good. <laughs> cool. Well Tim, why don't you tell us um, what your position is and a little bit about what you do?
0: Sounds good. Yeah. I um, mean, I could probably take forever, but I'll try to keep <laughs> that, it brief. That's all right. There's a lot of different things we do. I'm the Parks and Rec Director for the City of Lewiston, and uh, by title, that's that's what I do. But uh, really, I've got uh, eight different divisions that are underneath me within the city. So I run anything from Normal Hill Cemetery to seasonal outdoor pools, our parks, urban forestry program, um, senior nutrition program through through recreation, so all of our uh, community special events and, and programs for, for all ages, really, uh, from little kids up to adults uh, and seniors. Uh, I oversee our park development program as well. Um, facility maintenance is something a lot of people don't realize that we do, so we have 19 facilities that the city has that we manage, so that's anything from small Uh, construction projects to custodial within those buildings. So, um, really that's kind of in brief what I do, um, day to day. It's, it's different every day, which is something I love about it. Uh, right now it's pretty much all on zoom. Sure. Uh, So that gets a little bit frustrating because I'm an active person and I like to get out and, and be involved. And, uh, so it's been a little bit restrictive the last nine months or so, especially. Right. So you took over that position, I think, two thousand eleven. Yeah, it's two thousand eleven. So I've been with the city since two thousand seven.
1: Oh, okay. So have you seen sort of more stuff fall under your umbrella since two thousand eleven? You mentioned those eight divisions, but has it become like bigger since then?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it really kind of depends. We've we've gone through a lot of turnover through retirements, and we're talking staff that have been. Uh, with the city for 30 plus years so just on the park side we replaced three staff in one year that had over 100 years experience between the three of them and so that's just tough when you have that Uh, we're without an urban forester right now so i've kind of taken on a lot of those duties along with my park maintenance supervisor Um, so it's funny because i have a recreation background is really where my my expertise and uh uh, all my professional experience prior to coming to Lewiston was in, and so it's been a, a huge learning curve just in general. Anyway, uh, learning a little bit more about each department. 2015, we created the first ever master plan for Normal Hill Cemetery. Uh, that was originally built in 1988 or 19 or sorry 1888. And so they never had a master plan, and so I really had no experience. In... Just throw them where they fit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, you dig. If someone's there, you dig next to it. Yeah. <laughs> um, No, and I've heard about every cemetery joke that you can come up with out there. But uh, yeah, the cemetery master plan was really a great introduction for me into understanding how cemeteries function and just the business side of things. Uh, It's been an incredible experience to just get to know that system more.
2: Yeah, that's something I don't think I've ever thought about is how cemeteries function. Yeah. I understand their function, but not exactly how they function.
0: Well, Mm -hmm. everybody's dying to get in. (laughs)
2: you gotta have a grave sense of humor to work there huh? <laughs> yeah there you go
1: i got nothing
0: i was holding on to that for the past minute and a half so it's the best place to work nobody talks back to you oh
2: it can't be that bad no one's ever come back to complain about it all right we
1: got those out of the way <laughs> so, so speaking of facility maintenance um recently Somebody decided to go for a swim in the skate park
0: pool yeah. <laughs> with their car. Oh, yeah, they did. Uh, did that cause any damage? Yeah, I wish there was water in there. That might have helped break the fall yeah, a little no bit. Kidding. So uh, I went out Sunday night uh, when that happened. Um, I actually didn't know it happened until a friend of mine sent a picture to me um, and that they had seen on social media. And so I contacted the PD and then ran down, met the—I'm just two blocks from there—and so met the— uh, The officer that was there talked about it, uh, saw some damage to the coping that was there. And I think mostly from watching the video, that was probably from lifting the vehicle out. Um, Since there's still snow and ice in the base of it, we're going to go in and clean it out tomorrow and just really see. I hope we don't find cracks or anything in there. Uh, That pool was, um, I mean, it's a great feature and it was something that was an original alternate to the program. And we had a a donor that gave us basically 50% of what the cost of that to build was, and it's a $55, $56,000 facility. So if you, if we end up with a massive crack in the middle of it, you know, it being a skate park, you just can't go in and and patch that because it's really got to be smooth. So I've talked to uh, Grandline Skate Parks, who is a company that built it out of Seattle. And so we'll plan to send them pictures of everything I find, and then they'll kind of assess it and let me know uh, what the cost might be to fix it. So, yeah, one of those freak things, you know, it's not near the road. Um, yeah, I wondered how Don't that really happened. know how to explain it. Um, I can say that I know that uh, the police department has video that they were able to get from Vista Outdoor that has the entire thing. So I haven't seen that yet, but... Uh, that'll be interesting to watch that.
1: <laughs> well, I hope that it's, I hope it's not damaged. Uh,
0: yeah. I hope not. The coping, you know, this a little bit of the coping is just kind of chipped off here and there. It's not horrific. So I'm just really hoping down below we don't have anything major. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That'll be a real bummer. Yeah. Um, Cause as listeners know, um, from our smash the skate episode, I do a, or did a fundraiser for the skate park and that's how we met, how Tim and I met, um, so the skate park's near and dear to my heart. And absolutely. I hope, it, I hope it doesn't, doesn't have uh, too much damage on it that it can't be repaired. But
0: yeah. 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 Skate park was my first major project when I came here. So I've got, definitely have a, a love for that facility mm. and just working with Danny uh, Proschel and everybody else on that project. It was, it was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's such a cool thing that we have. Um, you know, when I was growing up, it was kind of a shitty piece of asphalt with gravel all over it and a concrete rectangle. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) like a little (laughs) ramp, and that was it. (laughs) So it's definitely cool to have and worth celebrating for sure.
2: Yeah, and especially, you know, because they took out the other skate park. Right. That yeah. I yeah, spent a lot of time at that one. That was cool.
0: Yeah. Nice. The nice thing part of that deal was Inland Auto Glass uh, purchased that property from us and then eventually sold it again. But they at the purchase price, that money went straight towards the build of the new skate park. Oh, that's so neat. we received eighty thousand dollars for that, uh, for selling that. Um, and obviously, it was more valuable to them as a parking lot. Um, But uh, the fact that we were able to get eighty grand towards a four hundred and forty thousand dollar project was pretty sweet.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you, when when you and I were talking about doing this episode, you mentioned that they were looking to put in like a little gazebo of some sort.
0: Yeah. So uh, our Parks and Rec Commission. I have three different commissions that I report to that are citizen groups. Uh, We actually have. Um, space on them. If anybody's interested in joining, uh, we have two sp- or one spot open on the cemetery urban forestry, and then two spots on the parks and rec commission. There you go, so Brian. You can learn about how the cemetery. You, you work. could, or <laughs> trees, or you could just do the I park got, side. I got plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the parks and rec commission manages our uh, our. Park reservation account. So anytime someone rents a gazebo in our parks, that money goes into a separate account and doesn't go through the general fund. So it is something that can carry over every year. And so we utilize those funds to build new shelters. Uh, We brought in once the skate park was built and we had the whole scooter fiasco. uh, We used money from that account to bring in the uh, pump track that's now up at Airport Park. Uh, So we're able to use it for different things. Obviously, the more shelters we build, the more money that'll get returned back into that fund. And so that's where we've looked to uh, build a small gazebo that we could potentially utilize too, because we have the electrical there. Uh, It could be kind of a set up for where bands could be for for concerts or um, events down at the skate park is really the ultimate goal and reservable if a kid wants to have his birthday party down there or birthday party down there and uh, rent it out what
2: was the scooter fiasco
0: so it's it's you know it's an ongoing battle with skate parks whether you allow scooters or not And so, um, at the time that we opened the skate park, we really only allowed bikes and, and skateboards, uh, because of the concern with not only just edges on the scooter handlebars, um, just the way that the the skate park wasn't necessarily built for the length of what a scooter is. And so there was concerns with the group, um, and the commission that it could cause additional damage. And so, uh, for the first few years that it was open, we didn't allow scooters in the skate park.
2: Oh, I bet that made a lot of
0: junior high kids really angry. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the the tough part with scooters is, you know, within a couple days, you're pretty pretty uh, um, pretty good at um, moving around on it. As opposed to skateboard, takes time. Um, at the same time, with scooters, we were finding a lot of younger kids were using those, and so you had. Uh, older guys on skateboards riding through on lines and kids that didn't understand that process. And so uh, we had collisions and other things that were occurring. So
2: yeah, I can see how whipping those things around could cause a lot of damage. Yeah, absolutely. Having the younger kids, I remember being a young kid first going to the skate park and quickly learning what to watch out for. (laughs) For sure.
1: Totally understandable. (laughs) And it's just crazy to me how the demographic of people that ride scooters has changed so much like when i was growing up it was basically like you said reserved for very small children Uh and then
0: now it's like a thing yeah it's amazing there's some there's some teens early 20 guys that can really kill it on those i mean that's pretty awesome
1: yep we had a lot of pressure the last year that we did smash the skate to have a a scooter Scooter
0: category yeah
1: but uh i don't know the first thing about it so (laughs) (laughs) we didn't do it but maybe maybe in years to come
2: scooter tricks yeah yeah Backflip wins. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, <laughs> so there's per uh, accidental damages like someone driving their car into a a skating uh, what you might call it bowl a bowl yeah. and uh, trees. How much uh, like vandalism do you guys have to deal with?
0: You know, it's uh, it's kind of seasonal, really. Around spring break, early summer time frame, we tend to have a little bit more vandalism. Um, fall time frame we do winters usually uh, when just in general talking about um, the park system uh, winter is when our restrooms get vandalized or tend to we lose a lot of toilet paper uh, for obvious reasons Uh, people just going in needing supplies so uh, we used to actually lock our toilet paper i mean not that someone Listening's gonna just go. Oh, free toilet paper now! <laughs> but we used to lock them, and it was just it was getting expensive to replace the whole unit. So if someone really wanted one, we'd leave it unlocked and have at it. We'll just replace that. But uh, uh, you know, bridges we we maintain uh, the bridges too, um, and so any graffiti on there, we've got all sorts of different graffiti removal options. Um, we got dustless blasters and all sorts of stuff that we use to clean that up. Um, being down at the skate park the other day, I noticed we do have a few, um, tags that are down there. And so we got to get those out of there, but it's, it's crazy how, uh, the type of material that you have anymore that can easily take that stuff off. We used to just paint over it with like a gray paint. And then, then you had like a square spot. Now you can almost completely remove something. Hmm.
2: There's a tag around here. It's real creative. It's gang.
0: (laughs) No no bubble nope, lettering or anything. That's, yeah, that's G-A-N-G.
2: I mean, it says it all. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no questions. They're why just mess right around? to the point. <laughs> yeah, you drive by around here, you'll see one. It's like, why? Yeah. What? It's not
0: even good. <laughs> might, might be starting too young before they can even <laughs> get creative.
1: Well, especially now in the world of infinite resources on YouTube, you could like learn to put up some nice bubble letters like pretty quick or something if you wanted to, but nope. I guess not. Yeah. So how does that work with bridge maintenance? Because obviously we're divided between a river and two cities, so... Do you kind of cover one end of it and they cover the other end? And so
0: really, yeah, and really we just help out whatever um, city of Lewiston's public works department overseas. Um, so if they have something that they notice, we'll jump in and help them out with it. Is is So it really is kind of divided, whether it's county, city, um, even just road maintenance that happened this last year on the Southway Bridge. I mean, you had four different entities that were putting money towards that. So it was kind of a group effort, and that's kind of the way the, the maintenance of it works as well. Hmm, crazy. Yeah.
1: So this year with events and last year with events, it's obviously been a lot different. But, I mean, typically the city hosts tons of different events and a lot of them through the parks. Uh, parks department so are we seeing some of those come back this year
0: yeah absolutely we're hoping to have um, so we do a a pretty popular uh, movies under the stars series Um, and so we usually have about six movies that we show back to back for six weeks Uh, we didn't run those last summer we ran the Dive and drive. So up at uh, Orchard's Pool, you it's free swim on Saturdays. So you could go swim ahead of time and then you jump in your car and do a drive in movie. So that was something that fell within the guidelines allowed us. We did have to limit the number of cars that we had, but uh, it was pretty successful. We had, I think, two or three of those that we ran. So we'll continue to do that this year. Um, but we're hoping to have the uh, sit-down in person. Uh, we weren't able to run our 4th of July event last year, um, our Star-Spangled Celebration, so we'll be doing that again this year. Uh, the 4th of July is on a Sunday this year, so that kind of makes it easy having it on a weekend. Midweek, sometimes programs like that, it's hard to tell what you're going to get. Uh, usually, actually, they're more popular when people, uh, if it's midweek, they don't can't really plan a trip around, so they're going to be in town anyway. Um, But yeah, we're excited to have events back and and food trucks at them and and just get the community back in it. So planning this last year for rec programs has been kind of crazy. Starting last spring, we really kind of canceled everything. And then we went online. Um, So on our Facebook page, uh, Ray Padrina, our our, uh, sports coordinator, uh, did a great job in the morning. He did a a uh, small kind of fitness activity that you could do at home, and then midday it was a game um, kind of for kids uh, that he'd demonstrate, and then they'd play, and then the evening was more of like kind of a family-type activity. Um, so he was doing three posts per day. Um, and so that was kind of fun to have that. We also uh, still ran our RecMobile this last summer, which is a mobile recreation program, that uh, kind of a concept I brought over from Portland. Um, except we had a massive transit bus over there that was full of stuff. Um, but what we do is we go to two different sites each day uh, in both Clarkson and Lewiston and uh, have games activities available for kids, and it's free for them to show up. So really it was kind of a way to reach out to those kids that it would normally just be at home and not have an activity to go to or didn't, you know, didn't either want to sign up or d- couldn't afford to go to a summer camp type program. So gave them an outlet for that. So we had a, a set schedule that we run for that program. Um, and last spring, we we uh, did some some competitions too, where you could win sidewalk chalk and and hula hoops. And so the staff would go to your house, draw on the sidewalk, you know, hopscotch and other things, and leave hula hoops. And so kind of almost getting back to like the old school stuff that we might have done when we were kids. So it was a lot of fun, and people really responded well to it. That's cool. Yeah.
1: Well, I saw on on the city's website. It looks like they're doing a virtual Seaport River Run.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so what, is,
1: what does that mean for it to be virtual?
0: Yeah, yeah. So we kind of actually took the lead. We're we're usually the week before Bloomsday, and Bloomsday last year moved to the fall and did a virtual. And then they decided a couple months ago to do a virtual this year. So we said, all right, well, we'll, we'll jump on board, do the same thing. Uh, so what will happen is is people register through the website for it. And then um, obviously the Seaport River Run is, is a fun run. It's not really a qualifier for anything, um, but it's a way for us to you know, have a community event during the Dogwood Festival and then um, give um, an opportunity to provide some of the, uh, the funding to a nonprofit in the community. And so this year it will be going to Young Life. Uh, our funding, they're our sponsor. And what Young Life does in return is they'll provide all the staffing and everything we need. Uh, about 75 people is what we need to pull off an event like that typically. And so obviously, since they're not running in person, we'll uh, have them stuffing packets and doing other things to kind of earn their keep there. But virtual, uh, we'll give uh, three or four different options. Um, as far as routes that people can run, Your uh, you're, you're, to um, have your own timing, um, if you want to submit it and attempt to be in the top ten in your age category, you have to GPS your route and uh, the the timing through that. So. Um, it's a little bit unique and interesting, um, so it'll, hopefully it'll work out for us. Um, we usually get, depending on the weather, anywhere between 800 to about 1,200 people that participate in the in the main rant run, and that'll be the tough part we'll miss this year. We didn't run it last year at all, so at least we're doing something, but it's nothing more exciting than seeing 1,200 people running down the pathway um, on the levee system. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's I
2: the Seaport River Run. Yeah, my brothers are runners in the cross-country team at LHS. One of them is, and uh, I know that's something that he really enjoyed. And oh, yeah. I'm sure he'll be submitting his GPS thing <laughs> this year for sure.
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy how quick some of those, because we have two routes on the regular race. It's a 2.6 mile, and then we have a 10K, which is a 6.2 Um since we're not doing the normal route, we're doing a five and a 10 K. So 3.1 miles and 6.2 are the two races. But yeah, those LC runners are crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, how quickly, I mean, I usually am at the start line and I can't even make it by car up and around and to the finish line at hell's gate before that first groups there. It's nuts.
2: Yeah. They're crazy. Yeah. Uh
1: I think I'd probably die if
0: I <laughs> attempted. That's a lot of running. Yeah, yeah it is. I'm usually um, stuck on the cleanup crew, and then we usually catch up to the last person that's walking <laughs> about uh, oh, about Kuana's Park, and then we're strolling behind them for the next hour and a half till they make it to the finish line,
1: <laughs> cheering them on. Yeah. Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah. One year we played uh, the theme from Rocky. <laughs> oh, na, the na, last, na, la- yeah, the last like na, half a mile. Na, na. Yeah. It was that
2: is awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, something that you mentioned that sounds really uh, interesting is the urban forestry program.
0: Yeah. What is that? So uh, our urban forester um, in the urban forestry program, really what it is about is is maintaining and expanding tree canopy within the city. Um, obviously, there's a lot of studies out there that show that tree coverage is good for stormwater management, uh, for rain. Um, it's good for heat indexes. So. Um, obviously, that's the main reason why we have as many trees as we do downtown Lewiston. Because if there were no trees there, uh, for one, sitting outside in the oh, blazing sun cook. would be cooking, and uh, the just the temperature off of the concrete is so much warmer. So they say it, you know, lowers anywhere from ten to fifteen degrees. Um, but yeah, the Urban Forestry Program is really about um, maintaining right away. Uh, trees, So uh, trees within our park systems. And then we actually, a lot of people don't n- understand or realize that if you wanted to take out a tree on your front yard, that's um, next to the roadway. So like in your parking strip, uh, you have to get approval to really do that. And we ask you to replace it with a like type tree, or we provide options for you, uh, suggestions for you to do that. Uh, tree pruning, people can kind of do that on their own. Um, But we have uh, licensed pruners that we work with as well to to recommend us to people within the community.
1: That's cool. Yeah. And we're we're a tree city. And I think for like the last 32 years. Yeah.
0: 32. Yeah. And I just got noticed last week that we got another one. So we'll be up to 33 years now, which is awesome. And I think we're at seven growth awards, which is kind of like above and beyond the tree city USA.
1: Yeah, yeah, it definitely makes Lewiston kind of cool and unique in that that we have so many trees because otherwise, it'd be kind of a scabby little place. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, just look. Yeah, just looking around. Unless you head east, you know, on uh, Highway Twelve, uh, there's really not much in the way of trees in the area, and so it's 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 extremely important. I mean, especially from homeowners. I have three giant sequoias in my yard, and if I didn't have them. You know, I couldn't imagine what my uh, electrical bill would be during the summer for, for cooling my house.
2: Yeah. My house gets very hot. It would be nice to have some more trees out there, that's for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. I never realized, I mean, when you're in town, it doesn't, I mean, obviously there's a lot of trees, but you don't realize how many trees there are until you head up, like, Sunset Park and above and look down yeah. over. And it's just, especially... Um, in the spring and in the early fall, you look out and it's just
0: like holy cow! Oh, yeah. There's so many trees. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Yeah, it's crazy. I always like to look down when I'm driving down from from um, up north and and as you're coming down the Lewiston right. grade, uh just looking and seeing what the coverage is. It's pretty pretty cool. It's more than what you realize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and some of
1: those trees that are like down by LC and. Up on Normal Hill, like the one that used to be by my apartment on 9th Ave, I mean, that was a huge elm tree, and it's just cool to see that those have been there in part of the city for so long, I can't even imagine how old some of those trees are. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yep. And do you know anything about, um, I feel like there used to be a certain type of tree and a beetle or something came through and wiped them all out. Was that elm?
0: Yeah, it was a locust, the uh, locust trees. And so we lost a lot of locust trees in the last, um, it was a locust bore is what happened. Um, we lost a lot of locust trees in the last uh, 10 years or so, um, and we're still losing a few here and there, but, uh, and it's not an ideal tree for our climate anyway, but.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's cool to have all those trees. I mean, like you said, it would just be scabby and kinda, kind of a bummer without it, so. Is you, you mentioned that space um, was still kind of vacant for what was the urban forester? Urban forester, yeah. So is that a position that the city or the parks department's looking to fill, or is it just
0: kind of vacant? Yeah, it is. Um, it's just something I need to get around to doing. It's actually been vacant for a little while. Uh, it had been a paid uh, full time position through the city, and we're looking to contract it out. And so I have talked to a few people that are interested out in the in the areas to kind of supplement something else that they're doing. Uh, it had been a contracted position till about 2012 uh, time frame. Then it became a city, uh, basically a, a park technician is what our Um, skilled labor positions are within the park side and so it was that and then um, in conversation with the city manager we wanted to look at moving it back to a contract so the the contract kind of opens us up to a little more options as far as like I said someone could uh, work 20 hours a week and do it we could contract with a company Uh, we've the city's previously worked with like University of Idaho and they've helped manage it before so there's a few options that we have to go with that
1: yeah because I'm sure that they have like Forestry degrees and that for sure yeah so they could have interns come great and student do some projects of that. Yeah. 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 yeah yeah absolutely so you mentioned earlier about taking ideas back from Portland so are you originally from Portland
0: yeah I'm from the from the Portland suburbs uh, yeah I grew up uh, mostly down in the suburb of Salem in Kaiser went to high school down there. Um, but yeah, the Portland area is really where my family's all typically from, mm-hmm. is uh, kind of Portland-based. I uh, grew up in uh, between Beaver Creek and Westland, so on the south side of, of Portland, and then uh, we moved down to uh, Kaiser, I think, when I was about 10. Gotcha. So, yeah.
1: So did you come out specifically to take the position at the parks department? Or?
0: I d- yeah, I did. I didn't have a clue, honestly, that Lewis and existed. Sure. Uh, I was looking to, I wanted to stay in the Northwest. I've always loved the Northwest, but I've only lived up and down the I-5 corridor. I went to college in Tacoma and then after college moved back down to the Portland area and, uh, Wanted to kind of explore out a little bit. I'd been to Sandpoint. One of my best friends from college was from Sandpoint. And uh, so I wanted to head out this way a little bit. But, uh, yeah, they did a national recruitment for the role. It was assistant director, and so it was a new position that they had created. So then there could potentially be an internal candidate for the director's job when he he was looking to retire. So when I first came in, my job really for the first three and a half years before I became the director just – was constantly evolving as I was taking over other roles. And luckily I didn't have to apply when the position came open. I was the interim and then appointed to the role. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was something I wanted to always, it was always a goal that I had, uh, going through college that I wanted to be a parks and rec director and really ended up in that role about 10 years before I ever expected to. So pretty fortunate.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned it was national recruitment so was there like a lot of competition for that position then
0: Yeah it was kind of funny so there was uh, five five finalists when I came out here and it was uh, about 108 degrees that day midsummer and I uh, just funny things I just remember like they took us on a half day tour um I was in the van with the uh, the old director you know, 15 people. It was a mix of us who were applying and then Parks, um, Parks Commission members. And he had his window rolled down and no AC on. <laughs> so we were just roasting in the back. Um, and uh, no, it was kind of fun. So the finalists we had, there was a guy from Florida, uh, myself, someone from Southern Oregon, uh, former professor from UNLV, and then there was one local candidate. So it was a pretty good mix of people.
1: Yeah, that's cool Yeah. Hey everyone, just wanted to take a quick break To tell you about our new Patreon account That's right OSP fans You can now directly help us
2: fund this show And get access to exclusive content
1: For more information And to learn how you can support the show Head to patreon.com Slash boldspiralpodcast Now back to the show
2: My yeah. knowledge of Parks and Rec comes from the popular American television program, <laughs> Parks and Rec. Uh, I wanted to know if there were many similarities between that television show and what you do
0: on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah there is, actually. And I, that's what who's, who's
2: I'm actually. I who's wasn't the, expecting between, the Jerry in Yeah, the between...
0: But we had a Jerry, actually, and then he retired. His name was Jerry. Is it, or was it Gary? I can't remember.
1: <laughs> I think it was Jerry, Larry, and Gary. Larry, yeah. Yeah.
0: No, it's funny because my two favorite shows are are Parks and Rec and The Office, so uh, kind of similar to uh, my (laughs) regular lifestyle. No, it's funny watching watching the show Parks and Rec uh, when you've got a public meeting and two people show up or someone's just livid about something. That's very realistic. (laughs) Yeah, Um, there was a scene from our our city
1: council meetings. Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: There was yeah. There was um, a former uh, library director that we always kind of butted heads. And there was one episode on Parks and Rec where the Parks and Rec department was butting heads with the library <laughs> So, um, yeah, it was and even, you know, when they were working, I think it was mostly season one working on rebuilding the old dump uh, the or the dump pit, or the yeah. pit. Yeah. you know, that's fairly common, fairly you know, going, going through the public process or even dedicating was uh, that park that was on the street corner about the size of this table. Uh, I mean, that's not uncommon. We've got some areas that we maintain that are really small little areas. Um, yeah, it's it was actually, you know, obviously they kind of dramatized things a little bit. Um, but, you know, what great characters they had and spinoffs that all of those characters had moving forward. Um, but, yeah, that was a fun show. When it came out, the funny thing is you're like, you know, why would they pick our profession to do this? Um, and it's I think a lot of it's just because of the whole variety of things that you deal with and, and you know, not that we're the – the fun or most exciting part of a, a local government, but uh, it might be more interesting than community development, you know, or <laughs> or, uh, or finance, you know. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> well, my real question was, uh, what are some things uh, about Parks and Rec that you do that maybe someone wouldn't expect, not knowing anything about what Parks and Rec is?
0: Oh man. Um, right away way maintenance, you know, is something that we do. So we spray. Uh, we have uh, some um, certified uh, applicators, chemical applicators. So they go on the sides of the roads and they're, they're doing things that, you know, in some other communities, maybe that's the street department. Um, but trying to, you know, maintain our weeds, we have a right away mower. Uh, we have a seasonal guy that's been there 32 years. Uh, he's 84 and he's our right away mower. So he drives a big, is it the large... truck
2: with the, with the mower on that comes off the side?
0: <laughs> yeah. The big mower on the side. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's Don. Don's a great guy. Been working with us. He retired from WSU and has been a seasonal employee for 32 years now with us. So, um, I think he says he's in his final year, but, uh, yeah, as far as uh, just kind of random things, like I said, the facility maintenance side isn't necessarily something that you'd see. Um, running a cemetery isn't always. Usually that's kind of ran by a, a district or an independent company. Um, so those are kind of kind of interesting as far as some of the, the random stuff that we might do. Um, and then, you know, obviously just programming-wise, we have all sorts of things. That the Senior Nutrition Program, I think, fits in well because of our are uh, we call them fifty plus and active as opposed to senior programs? Um, because we've what we've found is we've got a lot more people that want to take trips and tours, and they don't consider themselves seniors until they're eighty. Um, and so, if you're fifty and over, we'll allow you to go on those on those activities. But yeah, senior nutrition program is a great one. So it's very similar to a Meals on Wheels type program. Uh, we have about 140 now right now home deliveries that we do per day. Uh, that's five days a week, and then is that volunteers who are making those deliveries? Yeah, so we have volunteers. We have two um, two full time staff in our kitchen, and then we have two seasonal staff in the kitchen, and then all our delivery drivers are 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 volunteers, which is great. So the city reimburses them for mileage. Uh, but they don't receive a regular pay to do that. So, And if someone wanted to volunteer, how would they do that? Uh, they could contact us down at the community center um, and at the okay. Lewiston Community Center where our main office and the senior nutrition program is. Um, and then we'd be happy to get them on a route um, And whether they want to be a sub or want to have a little bit more stability, uh, we can definitely fit them in. It's something that, you know, is always a constant need and it's hard to rely on volunteerism um, to maintain something. So from time to time, staff will step in and help out. But yeah, my mom
2: worked as a volunteer coordinator down there for a long time. Or I guess it was in a long time. Oh, it was a while back for a few years. So. Yeah. It is uh, not only is easy finding people to volunteer to do stuff. No, it's but it's super um,
0: important. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And with the volunteer center, just and I sit on their board. uh, Just the the programs and the America Reads program alone is huge to the school district because we send individuals in that help kids with reading and that's been a tough thing this last year because we haven't been able to do that uh they're not really allowing any outside individuals to be in the schools which you know i totally understand uh last thing they need is an outbreak and last thing volunteer center needs is a 70 plus year old you know contracting covid or or getting sick so um but yeah that's that that um Washington out of Hope Volunteer Center is a is a group that probably uh, doesn't get enough um, notoriety just because people don't always necessarily know or realize that they're there. But there's a lot of programs that they provide in the community.
1: Cool. Yes, that they do. So on that note, um, on challenging, on challenges of getting volunteers, what are some of the other big challenges that the Parks Department faces in their day-to-day?
0: Well, I mean, um, for long term, it's uh, funding. I mean, it's kind of a constant challenge and battle. Um, the current city manager, Alan Nygaard, has done a great job trying to get all of our departments to be cohesive because in the past, I've always felt like we were, we were in competition for funding every year. And now we'll sit down with our strategic planning and uh, we'll agree upon some focus areas for the city. And then we'll all support each other, whoever's um, taking that lead and, and moving forward. And one of those is community park development right now uh, that, that I've got support from all the other departments, which has been great. Um, so that's, you know, that's a that's a typical challenge. Um, uh, other challenges that we face, obviously, is just, you know, when, when our staff get out to the parks each day, you know, what is it they're going to find? Um, so uh, you may, uh, like at the uh, at Pioneer Park, so we have the uh, – the fountain there. That wasn't necessarily when it was redesigned, it wasn't necessarily to be interactive. Um, <laughs> and so you, you you take the basin away and you open it up, it's going to be interactive. And so uh, when someone goes in there and uh, needs to clean that filtration system, you'll find all sorts of stuff in there that you didn't expect. And, and uh, in the busiest times, it may, um, may be something that uh, clogs the system and shuts it down at like 6 p.m. just because it can't take anymore. Um, and so then you've got to get somebody out there get it fixed or you just close it down for the day and then get in there the next morning but yeah it's crazy because sometimes you'll walk into a park or into a restroom and usually it takes 10-15 minutes but you may be in there for an hour or two depending on what damage or not that you find
2: what kind of things are clogging the filtration system (laughs) (laughs) the first thing that comes to my mind is socks
0: yeah yeah you know clothing um and uh, uh, butts. hair, um, <laughs> all sorts of stuff, anything that comes off. And again, it's not a system that was, yeah, it, it was, <laughs> it's not a system that was, that was built to maintain something like that. It sure. was, it was something that was just a kind of a, uh, a feature that, um, wasn't, was just to filter the water through. So, um, <laughs> And nothing else. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we've you know that fountain. It's been kind of no. It, we haven't seen it in the last few years, but you know there'll be mornings guys will show up and there's just mass amounts of bubbles all over. Someone will pour something into it, and when they start it up, it just goes crazy. Um, <laughs> hmm. See, You're giving I'm, people see ideas. I know. Yeah. I know. yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, you know, I sat in on a couple meetings about a proposed skate park that was going to go in up by the uh, new high school, and there's uh-huh. like a whole bunch of other parks and that kind of thing. Um, is there any kind of movement on that, on expanding those areas up there?
0: Yeah, so um, we actually are going to be putting a few, couple features in this this coming year. Um, tough part up there right now is we have a. A water shortage for uh, fire flow and so we're not we have there's enough on the site for the the high school and for lcsc um, but for us to have irrigation which is you know we're looking at in the in the heat of the summer in august 1200 gallons per minute is what we need to supply the site um, and that's about 200 and i think 220 acres that needs to be irrigated. So it's a huge area. Um, And so there's kind of a hold off for that. But we are moving forward uh, with some development just on the south side of the high school. We're going to be putting in a prefabricated restroom there, some basketball courts, and then a outdoor fitness area. So, um, the trend about 10, 15 years ago was to put in fitness stations like you might see on the Clearwater river, uh, that the, uh, Corps of Engineers put in, uh, the trend now is, is to create a sense of community as you basically put those all in one site. And so the beauty is it'll be right along our pathway, which is 3.1 miles around the exterior of the entire property. And, um, so people will be able to work out. So those are a couple features that we can put in that use, obviously, the, the restroom is going to use water, but minimal to no water. Um, then we'll be uh, getting some other features in there as soon as we can. But yeah, so skate spots is what we've been looking at to put up there. So maybe not quite the 12,000 square foot, feet that we have down at Kiwanis, but something more like the three to 5,000 square feet. Um, kind of set them near playground areas or sports fields, but give some kids some opportunity. Or even if they're there watching mom and dad play softball, uh, there can be a little skate feature that's in there. So that's kind of our plan is to put a few of those um, spread throughout.
1: Cool. Yeah, that would be cool to see that come to fruition. And I remember sitting at that meeting and there was just, it was super ambitious, like all the different things that they talked about could eventually be there one day and i thought wow that'd be really cool if even half of this stuff
0: came came to reality but yeah that'd be really neat yeah so we uh co-locating some athletic venues so then we can host better tournaments and bigger tournaments here right now if you host a baseball tournament uh, people are having to drive all over the place Uh, same with adult softball with adults we'd rather have them in one location so we've got a fourplex design there uh, we've got three soccer fields of our own, and then the high school has another three, so we could utilize both those and run a larger tournament. Uh, same with softball fields. If we had a fast-pitched youth tournament, there's a fourplex for the high school, and then we also have our adult fourplex that we could use. So now you got eight fields. So the beauty of us being up there with the high school is we can really share some facilities uh, between the two of us. Um, We are going to put a large splash pad in there. um, So that'll help take the The uh, burden off of um, Pioneer Park and others, but just put a massive because I think that's something we really need in this community as a large water feature that's free to the public. They can just come in. We'll have grass next to it, small shelters, so they can hang out there during the day and uh, really enjoy playing in water with different features, kind of envisioning. You know, things like so much is customizable anymore. I want to have like jet boats up there um, that maybe are sponsored by local companies and the rooster tail is something that the kids can play in or um, uh, the property that we purchased. um, The 310 acres used to be a farm. And so I'd like to have kind of farm type features of of different things up there as well, just to kind of celebrate the history of, of the property.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I used to play around in those old farm fields a lot when I was a kid yeah. because all my uh, all my friends lived in the neighborhoods around there.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah, and I've heard tons of stories about Canyon, the oh, canyon yeah. there. So yeah. uh, the great thing is, is that's one of our first developments um, that uh, once really we get things all finalized, we'll start promoting more. But we have about three and a half miles of, of mountain biking and hiking trails in there right now. Uh, we just did a naming rights this last year for the Skinner family who is uh, the property right along Warner, uh, right next to it. They've been big supporters of the project and obviously been there many years, I think since the early 70s. But uh, one of their sons, Ryan, really has taken the lead on the development of the mountain bike trails and uh, fundraising for that and then providing some additional long-term funding as well. So partnerships is really what's going to make this this project move forward.
1: Awesome.
2: One of the things we like to... Cover on the podcast, or the theme—you know—an overarching theme for our podcast is community, and it seems like the park systems and everything you do with the volunteering and um, putting in the parks and maintaining them and having these ambitious future goals is definitely, you know, right on with that theme of of building a, the community that we do have because that's it's such a good part about where we live um, with. You know, I've said it before and I will say it again this, you know, very big, small, small, big town, city that we have. I've said it before and I can't even say it right now. But yeah, (laughs) the small, big town that we live in, um, just that we have so much to do and have that sense of community. So it's cool that, you know, being involved with that, I'm sure, is really rewarding.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, a great example, like I said, was the skate park, my first project. I couldn't tell you how many times after we opened it up, I went down and just sat on the levee and and watched kids play during the summer on the skate park just because it was just such a cool project. And you look at it and it's like, you know, I probably spent many um, nights where I wasn't sleeping because of issues and other things we ran into. But to be able to see something come to fruition like that, it's pretty rewarding.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, just speaking from personal experience, it's been awesome to see how easy it actually is to go to you at the Parks Department and say, Hey, I want to do this event to help build community um, inside of a smaller community in in our town. And it was just easy. You guys were super helpful and kind. And um, it was always rewarding to do that fundraiser every year. And it was something I always looked forward to. And I hope we can do it again once...
0: Yeah, no, that was that was a great partnership, and we're always open to ideas. And you know, if anybody has any ideas of programming or something crazy that they want to see, as long as I get it past my legal department, then we're you know we're usually good to go. Uh, But no, honestly, with you guys running that event, it was it was pretty awesome because it was happening the same time we had an event, so it's not like we could have um, run both of them. Um, And uh, you know, we're not experts at all in in the skate. Uh, skateboarding world but to have community members that are willing to step up and partner and take the lead on that yeah absolutely we love love doing that and anything we could do obviously to help you out we wanted to be there and make sure that it ran well for you
1: yeah and you guys always were and it was always super streamlined and i mean if anybody has an event that they want to do like that i would highly encourage them to reach out to you and try try to do it because it's a much easier process than I thought it ever was going to be. Sure. I thought it was going to be kind of tough and have to go through this person and that person and really try to plead your case. But it it wasn't bad. I mean, you guys heard me out and it made it happen.
0: I'll try to make it more difficult for you next time. (laughs) It sounds like, no, honestly, we have a lot of groups that want to, you know, everybody seems to want to, uh, an easy fundraiser would be to have a fun run and we're a great resource for that, too. You know, we're we're a small partner in that because typically if someone starts and ends at Qantas Park, we have them rent the shelter. But obviously, if someone needs resources and wants to use the entire uh, levy system on both sides, um, we tell them, okay, you've got these six agencies that you have to work with. And this is what they're going to tell them. This is what their forms are going to look like. So we're, we're a great resource for that as well. Um, if someone's looking to do something, you know, just if it, if it's anywhere related to the type of work we do, we'd love to either partner with you on it, or at least give you some advice and help you out.
2: Cool. Coming from... The Portland suburb area, the larger city, and then coming to somewhere where you hadn't even heard of before, what were your first thoughts? And I mean, besides the 108 degree temperature, no AC in the van, <laughs> yeah. what were some of your first thoughts when you, when you got here? I mean, obviously you liked enough to stay, but...
0: Yeah, you know, I and I'll be honest, my first thought was was at that point in my life, um, I was running a community center for the city of Portland. I was looking for my next adventure. An assistant director role sounded pretty good for about three, four years, and then I was going to go back to Oregon was my plan when I got here. So I didn't really plan to connect a whole lot. I didn't really know anybody out here, just wanted to get some extra um um, just get, get some extra knowledge and experience under my belt because with the city of Portland, our jobs were so defined. I didn't know what was going on outside my building. Um, and that was frustrating to me because I first started in a suburb of Portland and Wilsonville and I really kind of had the full gamut kind of almost like here. And so getting, getting into a community like this, it was, you know, it was a little tough the first few years to kind of get in the swing of things. I love the size of the Valley. Um, you know, the weather, uh, to be in a place where you get 10 inches or less of rain a year. And I love the warm summers. Um, And even if, you know, we get one or two weeks of snow, that's kind of a good pace for me. I don't think I want too much more, but I like the snow. Um, Yeah, honestly, moving here, uh, totally, totally different world, you know, and obviously just the the political environment of Portland versus coming out here. Uh, Just even, you know, learning that and uh, uh, the pace, you know, a little bit slower, um, I really enjoyed uh, my commutes here. Um, the last couple of years I lived over there. I was uh, living in Vancouver, and so I was commuting over the bridges every day. So it was about forty out of twelve minute or twelve mile commute, and it was forty five minutes in the morning and an hour and a half home. And that was normal to me. So um, my night it never started before like six thirty at night, and to be able to be home in a song and a half now, I mean it's pretty pretty amazing to be home by five Oh five, you know, if I leave work on time. Um, but honestly, this community and being involved with organizations like twin County United way, I've been on their board for 11 years now. Um, just the, the sheer giving aspect of this community. It's pretty, pretty unique. Um, yeah, there's fundraisers and other things that happen in other communities, but, um, for how much people get together and give towards great causes, it's pretty awesome. Um, and so those are the kind of things you start thinking about. I was like, man, this is this is a really good community. I like the size. Um, you know, obviously Lewiston's only about 33000 um, but really our service area um, is about sixty 000 to seventy thousand because of um, there's really not a whole lot of programs on this side that are that compete with us. So we try to provide some things over here through partners, but uh, this is a really good community. Um, Toughest part, I think here, that's been actually rewarding for me is it's really forced me to look towards grants and other opportunities to raise funds. Uh, It's sad to say in previous jobs, you didn't really have to work for that. You just asked for it and it was there. Um, Not that people don't support the programs here. It's just the way we fund things is, is different. And so that's been a great challenge for me. But yeah, I've really enjoyed being out here 13 years now. It's crazy. It's gone by fast.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we're happy to have you here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, commuting, man, I would,
2: uh, I commuted from here to WSU for a couple of years and people were like, wow, 45 minute commute. And I'm like, well, yeah, but it's, it's the distance. I mean, you, I could have a 45 yeah. minute commute easy and travel a quarter of the distance in some places. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. No, As, I was, yeah, I was driving a, a manual shift, um, Tacoma and driving that on the high on the freeway bumper to bumper was no fun. No, yeah. not at all. <laughs> Portland can get pretty gridlocked at times. Oh, it can. Yeah. And especially when you're
1: on you hit the about Washington four or five side. five o'clock. Yeah. And,
0: yeah. yeah. Yep.
1: Well, is there anything kind of new on the horizon that you want people to know about for the parks
0: well i mean we're always constantly you know i try to challenge my staff to come up with three to four new programs every term uh right now we're not doing printed guides it's kind of programming on the fly it's during this code these COVID times so uh we're really trying to keep our our website and our facebook page updated for new activities but Um, yeah, kind of reaching out more. We're trying to do more um, multi-generation type programming. So um, things we're going to be getting into, you know, pickleball and other things a little bit more. That's been a huge sport that's, and so we're, we're taking that on as well. Um, But yeah, we're going to be coming up with some new uh, special events this summer. Um, We've got um, different sport leagues that we're going to try out, you know, the get into the disc golf, uh, we've got the course, um, but start running some leagues that way. Uh, we're doing mushball this next month, which is a real soft softball up at Airport Park. Um, so that'll kind of be an intro into our adult softball program in the spring, kind of a, a warm-up for it. Uh, but really the kind of future of what we're looking at is, is community park development. At the same time right now, we're going through our Park and Open Space Master Plan update. So we'll be having an online platform Uh, with videos, unfortunately, of me uh, talking about each neighborhood uh, in the community and uh, what's what's in that neighborhood, the things that came up 10 years ago in our last update, and then looking towards the community, whether you live in that neighborhood or not, what type of features you want to see moving forward. So as far as trends moving forward, I think we're getting away from uh, more of the team sports, it's kind of a national trend and getting more towards the mountain biking, the disc golfing, the things that you could just grab your equipment and go and do on your own time as opposed to show up at nine o'clock at night and uh, play a game till 1030 and then go home. Uh, so things that are, are flexible with, with your schedule is really what we're seeing in the trends that are out there. So uh, be kind of looking for some new and innovative stuff that we'll be looking at there. Cool. Yeah.
2: So, if anyone wants to get a hold of you uh, or just the Parks Department in general, uh, just check out the Lewiston City website. Yeah,
0: city of Lew- start. Yep, org, and then you can uh, on the upper um, part of the webpage, you can hit, click on departments, and then uh, select Parks and Rec, and then we've got as much information as we can out there. If not, we've got links to other things, but um, yeah, it's just even exploring what's out there. I mean, we have 26 different park sites that we maintain. A lot of people don't realize. I didn't know there were that many. Yeah. Yeah. We have over 200 developed acres that we maintain. So, um, pocket parks, trail systems that are out there. A lot of people don't, don't know our Facebook page, uh, Lewiston parks recreation, um, is another great source. So we always have, um, new things that are, Constantly scheduled to go up on that site. Uh, those are the two best ways, or they can contact us at the Community Center at 746 um, 2313.
2: This episode of the show is brought to you by our Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much to all of you for supporting the show. If you would like to become a Patreon subscriber, head over to patreon.com slash Podcast. That's going to do it for this week, but the shows are not over. Get caught up on the backlog of episodes if you haven't already, and thanks for listening.